Well, welcome back to the Electric Election Road Trip Podcast. I am your host for this episode, uh, Benji Backer, president and founder of the Conservation Coalition, joined by our executive vice president, Danielle Butcher, in her home state of Minnesota. And we are also joined by the esteemed Congressman Dean Phillips, an incredible bipartisan champion of climate change reform. Where are we, Congressman? And welcome to the show. Well, Benji, you're in Minnesota. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way. Yes. So welcome. I know Danielle is a native. The second best Midwest state after Wisconsin. Uh, well, okay, well, we can go offline on that subject. <laughs> you know, where, where are we? I, you know, I, believe it or not, I'm hopeful. I think we're actually, uh, we're, I think we're approaching where we start coming together on something that has uh, become obvious to many, uh, not to all. Uh, but despite the discord and divisions even in Congress, I, I sense something changing, uh, a recognition that climate change is real, uh, farmers are telling us that. Anyone who lives in California along coastal you know, regions of the United States knows something's changing. Uh, and even independent of climate change, um, migrating to a clean energy economy just makes good sense. That's good for the economy, it's good for jobs, it's good for American innovation. Uh, and I think all of these elements are starting to come together. Uh, and my hope is that over the coming months and hopefully just a couple years, uh, we're gonna see some real movement. And what you're doing, to inspire that conversation is exactly what we need. So I thank both of you. Well, I really appreciate that because as we've kind of gone across the country, we've seen this firsthand. We've, we've talked to liberals, conservatives, people who are apolitical, and we found the exact same message, kind of these innovation-based, you know, market-based mechanisms at all levels of government with all levels of action is the best way to move forward on this. As someone who has worked in Congress incredibly hard over the last couple of years to work on climate action. Where have you seen some of the most progress? And talk a little bit about what that progress has looked like in, in specifics. And then where have you seen some of the, the hardest uphill battles? Well, I think the progress, frankly, is coming from young people. And when I say young people, I'm talking about pre-voting age people. Uh, many of us in Congress, Democrats and Republicans from every district in the country, host young people in our offices and our home districts all the time. Uh, and we listen carefully. And, and what we're hearing is almost ex universally number one on, on people's list, young people's list, is climate change. Uh, and their argument is, you know, what else really matters if, if we don't address it? Uh, you know, I, for one, believe, like many, that Earth will survive. Uh, the question is, will we? Uh, and what is our collective responsibility? Set aside politics, set aside nationalities. Uh, you know, what is our collective human responsibility uh, to do something? And I think um, that's making a big, big difference. And we gotta start by uh, providing incentives. You know, the government, and this is where I think Democrats and Republicans might see some common ground. Uh, mandates aren't often well received by people especially in a free country like ours, but providing thoughtful incentives to get people to change behaviors that actually affect all of us uh, is how good government should work and good governance should work. Uh, if we come to that recognition that we can all do better by providing those thoughtful incentives to change behaviors, we can start making progress. Uh, and I'm really grateful to young people, teenagers in particular, uh, for inspiring that conversation. Uh, and I think there's been a change in the, the fact that more are recognizing that this is real. One way or another, something is changing. And one way or another, we can do something. And that's a starting point. In Washington, getting to that point is hard. Uh, and that's why coming together, at least on identifying what's wrong, allows us to start pursuing paths of what's right. That's great. And I think there's so much more common ground than most people are willing to recognize. And there's so many places that we can work together. Now, that being said, there's also places where we do have different ideas. So how big of a priority do you think bipartisanship is on these issues? Oh, it's, it's the only way. You know, it, 
it doesn't matter who might be in the White House, who might control the Senate, which party controls the House. If we don't do this collectively, uh, first of all, shame on us. And second of all, I don't think anything's going to change. Uh, I'm a proud member of the Problem Solvers Caucus, uh, which is 25 Democrats, 25 Republicans. Uh, we start by building respect and relationships and trust, uh, which is job one in Congress. And unfortunately, both parties at this stage in the game provide incentives to do just the opposite. They want to separate you on day one. They want to keep you on your teams, which means we have to be intentional, all of us, you know, Americans more broadly, members of Congress specifically, to start recognizing our responsibility to get to know each other. Uh, and then from those conversations, uh, we can actually find the common ground. Uh, and that is that to me is the key element, um, regardless of who controls Congress, who controls the White House. Uh, if we don't build those relationships and don't acknowledge that we're all hearing the same thing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, ice fishermen in northern Minnesota, you know, whether it's farmers in Tennessee, you know, whether it's people living in coastal you know, regions throughout the country, something's changing. Uh, and by aggregating what we're hearing, uh, that forms the basis. Uh, but it starts with bipartisanship. Uh, and that's why so many of us in the freshman class this year of the 116th Congress, 100 of us, uh, are bringing a new ethos to a place that really, really needs it. And I think climate change may be, in fact, the policy pursuit of our generation and of this class. That's my hope. I, I agree. And I think, to your point, bi bipartisanship is the only way forward. And you talked about young people. Young people don't see this as red or blue. They just see it as a, a big issue. And there are other issues they see it in that way as well, like race and other issues like that. But, you know, outside of kind of these hot button immigration gun issues this is actually one that we can work together across the aisle on because we have the same end goal a lot of the time you and i had briefly talked about this but a lot of times especially this freshman class there are incredible bipartisan leaders on both sides of the aisle in congress a lot of whom are younger but they don't have the platform of the the divisive leaders in congress how can young people or just people in general start to change that? And as somebody who fits that mold of being bipartisan, but maybe doesn't get the attention that they deserve, and I'll, and I'll say it for you, um, how, can we, how can we elevate those voices? I think what you just asked me is probably one of the fundamental questions that actually every younger generation has to confront more broadly right now, you know, which is the reward systems, how social media rewards people uh, are craving for attention, are craving for likes. Uh, which oftentimes is in conflict with the getting things done. And um, I think it's become very clear in Congress, those that have the biggest platforms, those that have the most Twitter followers, those who you see on the evening cable news every night, uh, often are the ones that actually are accomplishing the least in Congress. Uh, and I think the reward system has to change. How we do so, that's probably worth a whole nother podcast. But uh, I do think young people should start recognizing uh, that inverse correlation and start doing a little bit more deep diving into finding those who are not just talking, but are doing. And in Congress, uh, they're often not the same people. And, and that's, that's important for all of us to, to understand. And the fact is, this is a beautiful opportunity for the best of more liberal uh, philosophies to intersect with more conservative philosophies. Uh, as it relates to the economy, as it relate, relates to conservation, conservatism, for goodness sakes, it's in your name. You know, it's conserving what we have. Uh, and the only way to do so is to start changing policies to provide incentives for people to start doing it. You know, we took it for granted for a long time. Teddy Roosevelt, he recognized what might transpire decades, decades down the road. 
Uh, and that's what I think we and young people, you, what you're already doing, but young people can start recognizing this is actually beyond climate change, beyond clean energy economies. This is actually a way to heal the country by Democrats and Republicans combining the best of both platforms, the best of both philosophies, that really does create a creative and incremental change uh, and unity, which is what this country needs. And I'll close my remarks by saying, you know, we had, you know, the moonshot in 1969 was one of the last government policies to bring this country together. Uh, that wasn't a war and it wasn't a disaster, it wasn't a tragedy, it was prospective. Uh, I think this has the potential to be that same thing. Ironically, uh, that was going away from the earth. You know, Now we've got to do just the opposite uh, and come back home and focus the same attention here. Absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. We say it all the time, but social media is so unrepresentative of real life. And for those who are you know, sick of that divisiveness on social media, where do you recommend they go? Where can they find people who are working together on solutions? It's not easy. That's one of the problems. You know, there's no clearinghouse for the, the quieter voices doing, doing the heavy lifting. But you are in a position to advise people uh, about some of the members of Congress who care deeply about this and are actually putting the work in. It's not just members of Congress. It's people in every state. There are groups. Young people are getting together. Uh, there are nonprofit organizations. There are businesses like the one we're at today that are doing really extraordinary work. Uh, we need to raise those voices and we need to turn down the voices that are more divisive, even if their intentions are good. Um, we have a political culture, of course, right now that um, doesn't support that. And unfortunately, um, we've got a lot of work to do to fix it. But again, this is not, I, I want to stop pointing out the problem. We know the problem. We know climate change is a problem. We know clean energy is a opportunity. And so is this conversation. It's an opportunity. And people have to start, who really care, if you really care, do a little bit more homework. You know, and broaden your reach uh, and start identifying people with whom you can partner to build coalitions. And that's what I love about your work. It's building a coalition of like-minded people and it transcends politics. Yeah, and that's really, that's why we're around is to really create solutions for a solutions first climate movement, a climate movement that's focused on action and real results. And that's actually, I think, the power of this podcast alone is that you've got two people who identify as conservatives, a democratic member of Congress, an organization that works with both sides, and we're partnering up with the Bipartisan Policy Center, another amazing organization working on these things. This is the future, but we have to make it popular. So I guess last question before we head out today is, we're about to travel around the country for the next 40-ish days still. What do you hope we find in addition to the conversation we've already had here today? Well, I want to reflect first on something you just said, which is making it cool. And you know, before the TV show Glee came out, uh, being in the school choir wasn't exactly cool. And it's amazing how instantaneously something that was passe or uh, uh, not terribly compelling can overnight become so. And this can, should, and I think is because of your work. What I hope you discover is more people uh, like yourselves uh, encouraging um, our brothers and sisters all around the world to share this cause uh, and inspire their own governments to participate. Uh, and ultimately be at the same table together, uh, we're gonna be in trouble. Uh, and that's why I want our country to be at the lead, not just in the room, but at the head of the table. Uh, and not just with policy, but for inspiration. Uh, and we're fortunate in this country that our economy uh, is more robust than many around the world. Our, uh, our wealth, our, our access to education uh, is, is unique around the world. Not every country benefits from the same. Uh, but there is a bond and a like-mindedness, I think, of young people around the world that uh, if we don't take care of what we have, there's going to be nothing left for anyone, no matter your color, your religion, your nationality. 
um, or your politics. So what I hope you find is a country filled with young people who are willing to set aside uh, what older people right now are not and get to it and uh, to go from activism to action in your words. Well, so there's it. not a single thing you've said on here that I disagree with, and I think that that is the power of like that's the power of these conversations, and I, that's why I'm so grateful to have someone like you even be willing to sit down. Because I think once you sit down, like we just had a 15 minute conversation where we agreed on literally everything. That's not always going to happen, but. It happened, and that is the power of this conversation. It's the power of the work of the Conservation Coalition, the Bipartisan Policy Center, and the work that you're doing. I'm hopeful that we can keep working together, because I think I hope that this conversation is just the start of working with the Conservation Coalition and our movement, working with yours, and, and working across these party lines and across ideological lines to fight for the same challenge that we all face. So thank you for sitting down on this episode of the Electric Election Podcast. Thank you for touring IPS, an incredible company with us. and. And this is just the beginning of our work together. So really appreciate it. Danny, thank you for being on as well. And to our listeners and our viewers, uh, catch the next episode as we head across the country. Uh, we're going to finish up here at IPS and then go to Madison, Wisconsin uh, for our next stop uh, here in the next few days. Well, I accept that invitation. As, we, as Danny knows in Minnesota, we say for sure. For sure. You betcha. You betcha. For sure. <laughs> thank you both very thank much. You.